We're going to be opening up the Bible there to Philippians 2. So if you want to put your finger there, uh, we'll be there today. Not only with one sermon, but you get two sermons today. Two for the price of one. So you, you're lucky today because today is a special day. Uh, we are installing new uh, deacons and elders, and both of them get their own uh, sermon today. So, And you all just get to be here for the glory. And also you'll get to... Uh, hear a little bit from the scripture too, because it is for you as well. Um, we are a, uh, a church that's led by elders, uh, and that's why we use the word Presbyterian. So Presbyterian just comes from a Greek word that means elders. Uh, we're we're elder-led. We don't wear that on our sleeve ordinarily. Uh, we try to make Jesus the thing that we put out front the most. But today, we're just going to go wild because we are going to be uh, taking vows uh, from our uh, denominational family's book of order, uh, which are solemn vows that anchor us in our, our callings, uh, those of us who serve as deacons and as elders. Um, deacons and elders are, are biblical offices. You'll, you'll find folks like, like Phoebe uh, in, uh, in Romans 16, verse 1, uh, a deaconess. Uh, you'll, you'll find the elders among you in, in 1 Peter 5. Uh, these, are, these are biblical offices. Going back to Acts chapter 6, there were deacons and uh, they were set apart because there was a controversy, surprise, sadly, in church. Sinners get together and there can be controversy, there can be disagreement. Uh, there were some widows who weren't receiving care who should have received care. <coughs> and the first elders of the church, the apostles, uh, they set, a, set apart trustworthy uh, folks who would serve in these practical ways. And they, the elders then, would devote themselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And so deacons, uh, first of all, uh, I'm going to invite our deacons up. Uh, so if you're a deacon elect, would you come up onto the stage with me? I'll try to clear out a little space for you so we won't trip too much here. And uh, you can just gather. Uh, we'll, we'll do our best with the space that we have. Okay, guys? just so that folks can see who you are. We kind of have a, a nice long line over here. We don't have to aim for symmetry. We already had a little bit of practice last service, and so hopefully we'll do better. Our, our denomination put in these little gotcha vows because all of them are I do until they're not, and then they're I have, or I am, or I will. And so we're going to be ready this time. But these are, uh, these are dear people um, that, um, that I love and that the Lord loves. I'm, I'm thankful to know you. Uh, so David Boyd, Judy Blakemore, Gloria Johnston, Jean Weinbrenner, Ed Wifter, Linda Knudsen, thank you for serving in this way. Um, faithful people in the Lord. Uh, if you don't know them, uh, I hope you get to know these dear people. Uh, they know many of you and pray for you. Uh, they'll, they'll call you. Uh, and uh, they'll be there for you in a moment of need. This is what deacons do. Uh, so I ask you these questions, and I'll get out of the way so folks can see you. Uh, the, if you would respond, by God's grace, I do. Do you reaffirm your faith in Christ Jesus as your own personal Lord and Savior? By God's grace, I do. Do you believe the scriptures of the Old and New Testaments to be the word of God? Totally trustworthy, fully inspired by the Holy Spirit, the supreme, final, and the only infallible rule of faith and practice. By the grace of God, I do. Praise the Lord.
And do you sincerely receive and adopt the Westminster Confession of Faith and the catechisms of this church as containing the system of doctrine taught in the Holy Scriptures? And do you promise that if at any time you find yourself out of accord with this system of doctrine as taught in the scriptures and as contained in the Westminster Confession of Faith and Catechisms, that you will, on your own initiative, make it known to your elders the change which has taken place in your views since the assumption of this ordination vow? Do you affirm and adopt the essentials of our faith without exception? And do you subscribe to the government and discipline of the Evangelical Presbyterian Church? By the grace of God, I do. Praise the Lord. Do you promise subjection to your fellow elders uh, or to your elders in the Lord? Grace of God, I do. Praise the Lord. Have you been induced, as far as you know, your own heart to seek this office of deacon from love to God and a sincere desire to promote his glory in the gospel of his son? Amen. And do you promise to be zealous and faithful in promoting the truths of the gospel and the purity and peace of the church, whatever persecution or opposition, opposition may arise unto you on that account? Amen. Amen. Um, so these folks have been entrained uh, in, in the faith and uh, our family, uh, we read the Bible uh, alone. We read it together. We also read it with folks who read the Bible before us. And so you heard them say they, they subscribe to the system of doctrine found in the Westminster Confession of Faith and Catechisms. We think it's a pretty, pretty good attempt at saying, hey, this is, this is what the Bible teaches about important things. And most of us have things that we quibble with and we're like, eh, I'm not really sure about that, as do most people. And that's why it says the system of doctrine found in there. We're not saying that it's on the same level as the scriptures, because it isn't. Uh, it's, uh, it's a human document, but it's a pretty darn good attempt. That's uh, better than I could make. And so we, we subscribe, we anchor ourselves there. So that gives us a common place to say we believe these things. And the essentials of faith are things that we all, uh, who become members of faith, uh, they're just the essential things of the gospel, of Christianity. These are the things that uh, all members here at, at the church believe. Uh, but now the installation vows. And here's where it gets really hairy uh, with, with a will you and an are you. So get ready. Will you seek to be faithful and diligent in the exercise of all your duties as a Christian and as a deacon, whether personal, interpersonal, private, or public, and to endeavor by the grace of God to adorn the profession of the gospel in your manner of life and to walk with exemplary piety before the congregation of which God is making you a deacon? By the grace of God, I will. Praise the Lord. And are you now willing... So this is an am response. Are you now willing to accept the call of this church as deacon, relying upon God for strength and promising to discharge to it the duties required of that office? By the grace of God, I am. Praise the Lord. Way to go, guys. You can take a break. <laughs> Faith Church, stand up. You all are committing uh, to support these folks, to love these folks. They are committing to serve you and love you to lead you in the things of service. And so are you, the members of Faith Church, ready to receive these dear ones as your deacons? By God's grace, we are. By God's grace, we are. Praise the Lord. Do you promise to support your deacons in matters of sympathy and service? By the grace of God, we are. Very good. 
straight and to the point. I like it. And do you promise uh, to support these dear folks, these deacons, with your prayers, to give encouragement and assistance in every way as they seek to lead you in the things of service? Praise the Lord. Way to go. Elders and deacons, if you would come forward, we're going to lay hands on these folks and pray for them. And if you're in the congregation, if you just reach out a hand and pray for these as we, as we pray for them together. Thank you all. Let's pray together. Oh, Father in heaven, we are astounded at your humility, that you're a God who serves, a God who in Jesus Christ laid down every privilege, every right. You didn't demand to be served, but you served and gave your life as a ransom for many, Jesus. And I pray that you would just let these dear people have their eyes fixed on you as they already have. Continue to lead them. Let them be a picture to us of that heavenly humility. I pray that you'd uphold them, that you'd encourage them, support them, give them the health they need to serve us. Lord, help us to be faithful in loving them and serving them as well. We're so thankful for these people. We, we just bless your name for them. It's in your, in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. 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 God bless you guys. And now, this is where we get really Presbyterian by the authority of the Evangelical Presbyterian Church and the, uh, this session at Faith Church, I declare that each of you have been duly and properly installed as deacon of this congregation in accord with the Word of God and the laws of this church and are entitled to be given support, encouragement, honor in the things of the Lord. And we say this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. God bless you guys. Give them a round of applause. All right, grab a seat. Thank you all. Sermon number one to the deacons. We have a high, high respect in our church for these offices because we have a high regard for the whole Christ. You see, uh, my job as a professional God talker and a teaching elder, to use our words, is to teach you the things of God from the scriptures. Deacons are primarily geared at showing you the things of God. We need to feel the things of Christ, not only know them. He is the word who became flesh, and in his goodness, he's given us sensible signs like we'll enjoy together at the table in a moment. But another sensible sign of felt reality he's given us are servant leaders like these who make the ministry of Christ known to us in a very practical, felt way. Deacons are so essential to our mission here. And the first duty of the deacon, we say to one another, is sympathy and service. That's what they're here for. We need the sympathy and the service of Christ. So where do we look to to learn this? We look to Jesus. And I'm going to look to Jesus in this passage in Philippians 2 with you, if you'll join me. And we're going to go just a little bit further back in the passage to the beginning of chapter 2 to verse 1, where Paul begins with uh, some 
some conditional statements that, that, that are really expressing a fact that, that his people and that he himself knew were true. He says, if therefore there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort of love, any fellowship of the Spirit, if there's any compassion and sympathy, he's not questioning whether those are there, by the way. These are all found in knowing Christ and in his people, his body. And because of all these things, (laughs) because these are there, fill up, therefore, complete, therefore, my joy that you should It's usually rendered be of the same mind or be of one accord. Quite literally and woodenly, it it says that you should think the same, having the same love, fellow-souled, thinking the one thing. Complete my joy by thinking singularly in one way. And what is that way? It's not in a way that, that puts self first, but it's a way that in humility regards others as better than themselves a way that accounts for others and their needs. Verse five, think this way. Have this mind among yourselves is the way it's ordinarily rendered. Think this way is quite literally what it says. Think this way among yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus. This is the way Jesus thought. Who, although he was in the form of God, he didn't count equality with God a thing to be grasped. He didn't hold on to divine privilege. I want you to think about this for a moment. These deacons are people who are worthy of honor and dignity as human beings, as brothers and sisters in Christ, and even more so now as people who have taken an office that we regard and we've taken vows as a people to support them, to pray for them, to honor them. But they're not going to walk around saying, I'm a deacon. As a matter of fact, these are the kinds of people who don't care to be seen at all but care to serve behind the scenes. They love to serve. And this is amazing that this is the very character of God in Christ Jesus. He's humble, not because he's a sinner like us, not because he's finite like us, limited. It's because it's his very heart, gentle and lowly in heart. That's how Jesus describes his heart, the core of who he is. He is humble. And so he would empty himself of every privilege to serve us. He humbled himself, becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross, taking the form of a slave. (laughs) Jesus is this humble one. And our deacons get to show us and enable us to feel the humility of Jesus the love with which he loves us. As they make meals, they're going to visit with folks. They're going to be present for funerals, giving of their time. Time is a privilege. (laughs) Energy is a privilege. Deacons are folks who willingly lay it down. Why? Because Jesus first did it for them and their eyes are fixed upon him. Deacons, fix your eyes upon Jesus. He's the one who will give you what you need, the food, the energy, the compassion, so that you can see us with his eyes. Remember Jesus, Matthew 9, 36, he saw the crowds and he had compassion on them. He was moved in his guts because they were helpless and harassed like sheep without a shepherd. And deacons, it's your calling to help us never to feel like we have no shepherd, 
but remind us constantly that our shepherd is with us. That's, that's your calling. Sympathy and service in Christ. This is a, a hymn, verses 5 through 11. The whole congregation would sing this. We don't know if Paul wrote it or if it was a hymn that, was, that he adapted and, and put in his letter for, for the Philippians. In any case, it's, it's, this is for the whole church. This is the character that Christ is calling his church to. And deacons are our leaders in this. Reminding us of our Savior and the downward path that he calls us to because it's only a downward path that leads to glory. Because what's Jesus' story? He was crucified for us, died and was buried, but on the third day. Therefore, verse 9, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. And if you should wonder, as some people who fail to read the Bible well will wonder, uh, if Jesus was fully God or if he emptied himself of divinity, no, he didn't. Isaiah 45, 22 and 23 is clearly alluded to in this passage. The Lord speaks in Isaiah 45, turn to me and be saved all the ends of the earth for I am God and there is no other by myself I have sworn from my mouth has gone out in righteousness a word that shall not return. To me, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess to the Lord, to Yahweh, to Jesus Christ. what Paul's saying. Every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. He is Yahweh. And this pre-existent king of the universe is humble. So have this mind among yourselves, faith, and first and foremost, have this mind among yourself, deacons. You get to show us this as you bend to wash the feet of these dear souls. As you show up in moments of need. And Faith Church, pray for these people and give thanks for them. I want you to realize what a privilege it is to be a part of a community of Christians that love one another and are committed to this work of being the body of Christ, imperfectly but earnestly. Just in these past weeks, we've, we've laid to rest, dear saints, and we'll, we'll, we'll have another funeral coming up as Rod Broughton passed away on Friday morning. And deacons are, are the first ones there to express care. They stay late at the funeral reception so that families can grieve together. They're, they're thinking of folks, praying for them. I want you to think about who else would care for you. Some of us might have a small family circle, but it is a remarkable thing when you come to celebrate someone's life and the hope of resurrection and to mourn the loss of someone you love. And there's a huge family and our deacons are at the core of that. And so deacons, I call you as our church calls you and as Christ calls you to lead us in sympathy and in service. Father, please bless our deacons. Please lead them. Lord, as a shepherd, feed them with the food they need every day, especially just the heavenly food of having their eyes fixed on Jesus. We ask that in his name. Amen.
Amen. Now, elders, this other biblical office uh, at Faith Church, we have elders. That's, again, what Presbyterian means. Uh, So we have multiple elders, not one charismatic individual who leads us. But uh, So not one sinner, but more sinners, all looking to Jesus, who is actually the head of the church. Not us. And we have a distinction, ruling elder and teaching elder, because there's one verse in the Bible, 1 Timothy 5.17, which seems to suggest this distinction, and we write it long and hard. Let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. So in the first century church that Paul's writing to in Ephesus, there were elders. They all ruled and led the church together, but some of them taught. So I'm a teaching elder. Uh, that's the way we do things in, in, our, in our church. Pastors are, are teaching elders. And then uh, there are elders who are ruling elders, who share in the, the leadership of the church, but may not have the, the teaching load that a teaching elder would have. Certainly, they're still called to be able to teach. First Timothy 3 teaches us that's a qualification of an elder. And at Faith Church, uh, an, another distinctive of us is that, that our elders are, are men. And this is something that is, is difficult in our cultural moment, and even for many of you, I understand. And uh, so, a, a word about that. Uh, we do not have uh, male eldership because we think men are better and wiser. Um, we can be plenty boneheaded. Um, we know our failings. We, we, we have this practice because we can't escape what we see in the scriptures. Uh, we see a pattern of... Uh, male leadership, we see specific commands like in First Timothy 2 about spiritual authority and spiritual uh, leadership being given to men and, and, and to not allow uh, a woman to have spiritual authority over a man. Uh, we, we see things like in First Timothy 3 about um, a qualification being a husband of one wife, so faithful in that way. We also see the example that Christ chose his 12 apostles, uh, men, and etc., so there's these things, and yet, I want you to hear this, and I want our elders to hear this, and every man certainly to hear this, and every woman, and yet, uh, we remember that this means that we are walking with a, a limp from the get-go, because there's a lot of stuff that we're not going to see that we need to listen to our women to be able to see. And so God has gifted us with the women here as well. The Spirit is in you as well. And so we will not lead without listening. And if we do, then you need to tell us and we need to repent. David, when Abigail called him out in 1 Samuel 25, he listened to her. And if we forget to listen, it will be to our own folly and failure. So uh, we commit to that and to encourage women to serve to the fullness of God's design so that you can flourish in your gifts as well as we would like ourselves to. So, we seek the mind of Christ in these things. Christ who empowered women. Christ for whom, we shouldn't forget, women were the first witnesses to the gospel that he was risen in John 20. So, now, it's the first duty of the ruling elder to represent the mind of Christ, and I'm going to invite up our ruling elders who are candidates for that ministry, Will Awesome and Arnold Jocelyn and Dave Layton. If you'd all come up, uh, that'd be wonderful. And we'll do the deed. Thank you, men. 
so these guys have been through training as well as the deacons. Uh, these are men who love you and, and pray for you and are committing uh, to continue to love you and pray for you. And uh, so we'll take these vows together now. Uh, do you reaffirm your faith in Jesus Christ as your own personal Lord and Savior? By God's grace. Way to go, guys. Do you believe the scriptures of the Old and New Testaments to be the word of God, totally trustworthy, fully inspired by the Holy Spirit, the supreme, final, and the only infallible rule of faith and practice? Do you sincerely receive and adopt the Westminster Confession of Faith and the catechisms of this church as containing the system of doctrine taught in the Holy Scriptures? Wonderful. Do you promise that if at any time you find yourself out of accord with the system of doctrine as taught in the scriptures and as contained in the Westminster Confession of Faith and Catechisms of the Church, you will, on your own initiative, make known to your session, the elders, the change which has taken place in your views since the assumption of this ordination vow? Praise the Lord. Do you affirm and adopt the essentials of our faith without exception? Do you subscribe to the government and discipline of the Evangelical Presbyterian Church? Praise the Lord. Do you promise subjection to your fellow elders in the Lord? Have you been induced, as far as you know, your own heart to seek the office of the holy ministry from love to God and a sincere desire to promote his glory and the gospel of his Son? Wonderful. And do you promise to be zealous and faithful in promoting the truths of the gospel and the purity and peace of the church, whatever persecution or opposition may arise unto you on that account? Praise the Lord. And now we have a will uh, vow. Will you seek? Will you seek to be faithful and diligent in the exercise of all your duties as a Christian and a ruling elder, whether personal or interpersonal, private or public, and to endeavor by the grace of God to adorn the profession of the gospel in your manner of life and to walk with exemplary piety before the congregation of which God is making you overseer. Praise the Lord. And are you now willing to accept the call of this church as a ruling elder and relying upon God for strength, promise to discharge to it the duties required of that office? Well done. Praise the Lord. Uh, you guys can take a break. In Congregation Faith Church, would you stand up? <sighs> Folks, are, are you, Faith Church, ready to receive these men as your elders? And do you promise to submit to them in matters of spiritual discipline and to receive with humility and love the word of truth as they minister to you. Yes. Praise the Lord. Do you promise to support them with your prayers, to give encouragement and assistance in every way as they seek to instruct you in the names of the Lord, in the things of the Lord, and to lead you in the building of the kingdom of God here at faith? Yes. Praise the Lord. Way to go, guys. Uh, well, elders, uh, would you come forward and we're going to lay hands on, on these men. And, and, and Faith, would you reach out a hand and, and join in praying for them as well?
Thank you, guys. Oh, Holy Father, King of Heaven, we, we praise you. We're humbled before you, Lord. None of us is sufficient for this calling. Uh, Lord, so we just ask for your Holy Spirit to come upon these men, to guide them every single day, to instill your humility in them, to work your mind, your wisdom, your, your judgment, your faithfulness, your grace and truth and love. Lord, continue to work these into these men. Remind them daily that they are your beloved. They are the dear lambs of Jesus. Let them never forget who they are in him. The forgiveness that he purchased for them. And let him be their treasure and their delight. Bless and keep these men. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you, guys. Give them a round of applause. All righty. Sermon number two. All righty. Elders, your calling, we remind one another, is to represent the mind of Christ as you understand it, as you lead our church. But what is the mind of Christ like? What's it like when Jesus is thinking on behalf of his people? What kind of thoughts does he have of them? What's his focus? What are his goals? What are his aims? What is the mind of Christ like? There's more than one way of thinking, more, one way of, more than one way of thinking in leadership in particular. Uh, we'll find in Philippians even multiple ways of thinking. In, in 319, we find that the opponents of the gospel have their minds set on earthly things. Their God is their belly, Paul says. So their immediate gratification and wants are the things that are, are on their minds that they think about. And this can, can arise in leadership situations. You may have experienced them in workplaces. Sadly, at times we may experience them even in church. And Lord, help us that we should repent. That we just want what we want when we want it, and we can use leadership, we can use structures and systems to get what we want. That is a way of thinking. But Paul would warn us in chapter 2, verse 3, not to do anything from selfish ambition or conceit, but rather in humility to regard one another as more important than yourself. Not to just look out for self, but to care for others. And he goes on to encourage us with this humility. Humility. And humility count one another's as greater than yourself. And where do we see this humility ultimately? We see it in Jesus who humbled himself for sake, becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Have this mind among yourself, elders. This is where we get the phrase, the mind of Christ. Think this. Think like Jesus. But how on earth do we make that our mind? How do we grow in that way of thinking? Um, first of all, there's a, the, the low-hanging fruit is to do what the church has done throughout all ages, gathering together and rehearsing what is true of God. That's what the people would do as they sang this hymn. And they would sing of the mind of Christ. 
who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. And on and on. They would, they would sing of Christ who reconciled all things, making peace through his cross. They would sing of Christ who became sin, who knew no sin, that we should become his righteousness. They would sing of this one. They would remember him. They would hear of him from the scriptures. And, and we need this because we need to never lose sight of the real Jesus, <laughs> to never tame him, to never edit him, redact him, so that he's conveniently agreeing with us, affirming what we want him to affirm, ignoring what we want him to ignore, denying what we want him to deny, mean to those we want him to be mean to, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We, we need the real Jesus as we find him in scripture. We need his mind. And, and so these elders are men who commit in this way, and more to walk with Jesus every day, which is what we are all called to. <laughs> and so these men are, are leading and showing you a picture, and by God's grace will seek to show you a picture of what the humility of Christ worked into us can look like. There's a number of ways that we can, can learn the, the mind of Christ that we find in Philippians. There's, there's three basic ways that the verb to think occurs. It occurs 10 times in this letter. It's a thematic word, to think. And, and, and three times it'll uh, occur with respect to our feelings for others, uh, the regard that we feel for people the Lord loves, that we're called to love. Three t uh, four times, rather, it, it occurs with respect to thinking the same thing or being at one accord, being at one. And three more times it'll occur with respect to setting our minds on something. Sometimes for bad things, like the folks who, who set their minds on earthly things, but, but setting our minds on godly goals and on God himself. Fixing our minds upon things. And so we're just going to go through these three different ways of, of thinking that are encouraged to us in Philippians as we think about learning the mind of Christ. How do we learn the mind of Christ well, taking a step beyond rehearsing what's true of Christ, we, we, we step into the feelings of Christ. Christ felt for his people. He was moved in his guts, we've already said, when he saw his people. And Paul writes in, first, in, in Philippians 1, verse 7, it is right for me to feel this way, quite literally to think this way, concerning you all, because I hold you in my heart. Because you've been partakers, not only in my imprisonment, but also in my defense of the gospel. He is right to feel about these things. Men, elders, you have feelings. And you're called to steward them. And to feel as Christ feels for his church. Do you remember who you are, Faith Church? You are the bride of Christ. You are beloved when he sees you, he's not cool and dispassionate. He is moved from within toward you. He, he didn't have to lay down his life only. He wasn't just obedient to the point of death. <laughs> he loved to the point of death. It was because of the great love of God. It was because of the great love that's in him for you. loves you. You're his bride. 
and elders are called to remember this, that as we think of these dear people, as we think of each of you, you are the bride of Christ. And so how do we cultivate those kinds of feelings? The, the first way I just encourage you, which remarkably Jesus showed for us as he prayed for Peter, as he prayed for his disciples in John 17, <coughs> as he intercedes for us constantly before the throne of God, we pray for these people by name. We have a list. If you don't have one, get one, elders, from the office. Pray for these people by name. Learn their faces. Pray for them. Pray that the Lord would bless them. Pray for every good thing. Get to know them so that you can pray for them well. And cultivate right feelings for these dear people. Remember when the elders set apart the deacons, they said they would devote themselves to the ministry of prayer and the word. And prayer was the first one. So first of all, feel rightly for God's people. Secondly, you're called to think with the mind of Christ and to think the same things. Going back to verse 2 in chapter 2, fill up my joy, Paul says, that you should think the same, having the same love, fellow-souled, thinking the one thing, if you are to read it very literally. Think the same thing. Have a common love. I think about the things that we love. What do we love? Some of you love the Broncos, you know? I, I grew up in uh, a town uh, mixing sports, but Royals, Royals fans, and they endured long, long seasons with terrible, terrible seasons. So it's a noble thing. I, I get it. It's noble to love, you know, your team through, through ups and downs, you know, to stick with them. But what do we really love? What, what is our love that binds us together? It's, it's not the Broncos or even the Chiefs. It's, it's not fishing, although fishing is wonderful. It's not politics. And God help us, some of us love politics and the issues, you know? You can be an elder and love the Broncos and fishing and politics. But what is our love? <laughs> What is the same love that binds us together, that holds us, that people should notice about us? It's, it's Jesus. <laughs> it's our Lord. We fix our hearts and our minds upon him. We think the same thing, the one thing, Paul says, thinking of the one thing, and it's Jesus. Elsewhere, in, in chapter 4, he says, using a different verb, to reckon or to consider. He says, whatever is true, whatever is good and beautiful, well, you know, think of these things. There's a lot of stuff that all of us spend a lot of time thinking about. And some of it's great. March Madness is almost over. My bracket's terrible. But we think about these things. We think about, uh, you know, politics and fishing and Broncos. <laughs> but, but the elders among you are called in particular first and foremost among you as leaders to fix your eyes and your minds upon Jesus and to show us what that looks like. Because that's actually all of our calling as Christians, to have this mind, to think of this one thing, to have singular-minded love for Jesus. And this matters because here's what's going to happen. 
in the middle of, of, of serving together as elders, we're going to disagree about a decision, uh, something more important than Broncos or fishing uh, or even politics, perhaps, you know, and we're going to have a disagreement. And what will hold us together at that time? Iodia and Syntyche are two women leaders in the church in Philippi who disagreed about something. We don't know what, but Paul entreated them to agree, to think the same in the Lord. We as leaders together and we as leaders who are called to minister and help the people of God to think the same and to be of one accord, to be at peace with one another. We fix our minds fully on Jesus who loved us and gave himself for us and the forgiveness he purchased for us. <laughs> he loved me so much that he laid down his life for me. He's, he's, he's true and good. And, and Iodia, I know Syntyche is ridiculous right now, but you know, Jesus loved you this much. Could you extend that kind of forgiveness to her as well? And, and Syntyche, I know Iodia, I'm, you know, she's you know, kind of stuffy and, you know, she, she has her opinions about things, but could you set that aside and love her as Jesus loves her? Have you seen Jesus? As we have our minds set upon him, we are readied to minister Christ then to, to ourselves and to those in Christ's church because oftentimes we won't be thinking the same things. So we are called to lead with the mind of Christ. The third category, there's feelings, thinking the same things, and then there's setting our minds, fixing our minds upon things. And what does Paul, we see, set his mind upon? He sets his mind on the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. <laughs> he encourages folks to think this way, and those who think otherwise, it'll be revealed to them. There's nothing else that's worth setting your mind fully upon but knowing Christ and the power of his resurrection. And elders, you are called to have your mind set firmly upon this. To know Jesus and to make him known. Uh, I think of Jesus and his mind so set upon the cross, obedient to the point of death, it was his food to do the will of the one who sent him. And now our food is to feed upon this one who's given us himself. And elders, we are called to show people where to go to get good food. We're under shepherds. We're called to show the sheep where there's good pasture, where they can find the food that will nourish their souls. And it's in Jesus. We set our minds upon him. We represent his mind. And we're gonna come to this table and we're going to see, and we're going to feel, and we're going to taste and know our Lord together. And elders are going to help serve us in this moment. But I hope uh, that, that we together, and elders first and foremost, that we would seek Christ's mind, and we would find it beautiful. Uh, let's pray. Father, thank you uh, for, for the beautiful, true, good, just, righteous, loving mind of Christ, so humble, we praise you, Lord. I pray you'd impart your mind to us by your spirit, to our elders and to this entire church. We need you, Lord. We want to be shaped by you. We want to be a light in this community. So come and feed us. We open our mouths wide to receive your grace. Amen. Amen.